don't let yourself, you know, sit in a situation that's not working for you. Um, pick, pick up what you need to do and, and go make that change. Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it's all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. I'm your host, Peter Margaritas, the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of my business, The Accidental Accountant. My goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Welcome back to Improv is No Joke podcast, episode number 16. Thank you very much for tuning in today. I greatly appreciate it. Today's guest is Kristen Rampey, who's the founder of Kristen Rampey Consulting, where she shows CPAs and other professional service firms how to leverage their soft skills to achieve higher profitability. She's also the author of Accounting Dreams and Delusions, which is a book that every CPA should own. I've known Kristen for a little over a year now and was introduced to her through a couple of mutual acquaintance at the Maryland Association of CPAs. Now, we've talked a number of times via Skype, and we finally got a chance to meet each other face-to-face this year at a conference in Cleveland. Kristen is a very funny and creative CPA who gets the importance of soft skills in driving productivity and profitability. This is also seen in her book that I just mentioned a moment ago. It's a book of accounting memes that'll just make you laugh and at times laugh and snort at the same time. Before we get to the interview with Kristen, I'd like to share with you a review that I received on iTunes from someone whose name looks more like a security key. This person writes, I love these podcasts. Pete has gathered some amazing, forward-thinking business owners and professionals to share some very unique concepts and how they made their businesses successful. As a small business owner, it can be overwhelming trying to figure out it all on your own. The tips that I've gathered and listened to these podcasts have been so helpful. Pete's interview style is relaxed and fun. You feel like you're sitting on a lovely patio. Drink in hand and join a great conversation with people on the leading edge who want to share what they have learned with you. I highly recommend listening in. Thank you, Peter. No, 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 no. Thank you for that wonderful, wonderful review. I greatly appreciate that. If you've been listening to this podcast, I would appreciate it if you would take a moment and write a review. It helps the podcast gain greater visibility in the iTunes community. Now, here are the seven steps you'll need to take to leave a review. First, launch Apple's podcast app. Second, tap the search tab. Third, enter the name of the podcast you want to rate or review. Fourth, tap the blue search key at the bottom right. Fifth, tap the album art for the podcast. Six, tap the reviews tab. And finally, seven, tap, write a review at the bottom. If you'd like to leave a review but remain anonymous or use the security key, however you want to do this, all you have to do is go to your iTunes account, go to the settings, and click edit nickname. Oh, and I have a breaking news alert. We have passed the 1,000 downloads this last week, and now you can find the podcast on Stitcher 
and on Google Play. Also, if you've not signed up for the SN Challenge, please go to my website, petermargaritas.com, and scroll down to the SN Challenge call to action and click to register to begin your journey of transformation. And remember to share your experiences on Twitter using the hashtag YesAndChallenge or on the Accidental Accountants Facebook page. The article I'd like to share with you this week is one that I wrote last year titled Successful Negotiating in Corporate America. This has been a very popular article because of four state CPA associations have published it in their monthly magazine. The key theme of the article is, in order to succeed in negotiations, we need to drop our agendas long enough to truly listen and with respect for all involved. It is true for formal negotiations around the conference table and is a way to be successful in our daily negotiations in our lives and our career. In addition, the ability to remove emotion from the conversation and stick with the facts will keep the negotiations moving in a positive direction. I will post a link to this article in the show notes. Well, I believe I've covered everything, so without further ado, let's get to the interview with Kristen Rampey. I've got Kristen Rampey with me today. And first and foremost, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. I greatly appreciate you spending time with me on my podcast and welcome. Thanks, Peter. It's great to be here. It's great having you. And I like to start off by asking a very simple question. Tell me about yourself. Well, gosh, that's not simple. <laughs> You're going to make it easy. Tell me about myself. Well, so my name is Kristen Rampy. We got that covered. Yes. And uh, I'm a CPA and I live in Michigan and I went to Butler University. I worked with, with PricewaterhouseCoopers out of college. I quit the big four. I worked in industry. I went back into public at a regional firm that was out there in... Uh, San Francisco, California, uh, did that for seven more years. And then I, um, five years ago, I left public for the, the last time. And now I have my own consulting practice where I consult with CPA firms on communication, team building, client service type of topics. And I guess to add in the the more personal side, I am married and I have a pair of Almost seven-year-old identical twins and one very large cat. So oh wow! Yeah, that's my status. <laughs> oh wow! You've got your hands quite full. <laughs> yeah. So where in Michigan? I'm in Grand Rapids, which okay. is uh, if if you could see me and I had my hand up, it's sort of um, <laughs> straight across from the bottom of the thumb and below the ring finger. That ah, would be the coordinates. Got it. So yeah. uh, you're. An accidental accountant as well, based on your background. <laughs> yes. So my my first question, and same question a lot of people ask me, how did you end up in accounting? Yeah, I, you know, and I give an answer that I think many accountants do. It probably all stemmed from liking math. I, I did actually like math. I do like math. And I found myself in college, uh, or no, I'm sorry, not in college, in high school. I needed to take an extra elective. And there were only a few classes available that one would even want to take as a, a senior in high school. So accounting was one of them, which was really bookkeeping. So I took that and uh, 
I found it to be easy because I liked math and apparently I knew how to add by 12th grade. So that worked (laughs) out really well. Yeah. So I did that. And then when I was looking at colleges and I ended up at, at Butler because I thought their campus was particularly beautiful and appealing. And I uh, met with an advisor and we talked about what I might major in and he thought accounting was a good idea. And so I said, sure, that sounds great. Let's do it. <laughs> so so that's kind of <laughs> how it happened. Wow. You just kind of fell into it then, huh? Yeah. Because, you know, everybody thinks this is a very black and white area accounting, which we all know is very gray. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you read the book that came out a few years ago about the accounting profession, 50 Shades of Gray. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> that sounds about right. I, yeah, I was handcuffed the whole time while I was reading it. Uh, <laughs> but, but let's talk about accounting. I, my other question is, where did you gain your communication skills? How did you, because we think of most accountants to be a little bit more introverted, maybe not as communicative as others. So where did you develop your skills? Well, let's see. How did I develop my communication skills? You know, I feel that they really blossomed throughout my career. uh, And it was definitely working with others who sort of exhibited good skills in that area. And in part, just a skill set that I had that I was able to put forward when I worked with clients. So I did a lot of, I did some auditing and I did a lot of Sarbanes-Oxley compliance. And especially in my years at Frank Rimmerman out in San Francisco, I just, I started to notice that I was really adept at working with the clients and providing great service and then achieving great financial results um, as a result of that. And so I just continued to use those skills more and more because to me, they were more beneficial, not not to substitute the technical, but but they were the things that really differentiated happy clients and good service and great teams. Uh, and I certainly um, worked more on developing those skills than I did on, say, studying uh, the deeper technical stuff, in part just because it was interesting to me. So lots of different reasons how it came to be, I suppose. So why did you leave public? I mean, as you say, You've got a huge strength that is needed in public accounting because the ability to communicate. But what 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 made you leave and, and start your own uh, consulting firm? Yeah, I left because I, there were a lot of reasons that contributed to my my kind of final departure from public accounting. But but a big one was that. I felt that I had these strengths and I wanted to bring them to others in public accounting. I mean, I certainly loved the team that I worked with when I was at Frank Riverman and that team was undergoing some changes, which was a part of, of my departure too. But I thought, wouldn't it be great if I could go out and work with other people just on this and and no longer be responsible for chargeable hours on SOX compliance projects. <laughs> so it was really looking at my own strengths and making a conscious decision to spend even more of my time working in that area because I felt it really could be the most beneficial for me personally, working on things I want to work on and also for, you know, others in the profession at other firms. So that was was a big player in my departure. Well, we, we both share the same love of communicating and helping our profession become stronger in the communication skills, but have you found it difficult to get in front of CPA firms and sell them on this message that communication skills are important, if not more important, technical skills? Yeah. You know what I find the most challenging is to find those that are ready to make a change because many, almost everyone will agree, you know, especially leaders at CPA firms. In fact, I'm right in the middle of a series of 
interviews of, of partners with a group that I'm working with right now. And, and they all agree that communication is important. And it's, you know, it's all over the, the headlines of many of the sort of accounting news sources that it's important, we need to do it, and everyone agrees. What is challenging for firms is having the right leadership that's willing to not just give that, uh, what I would say, sort of lip service comes to mind, you know, not just say it, but to actually say this is important. And I can see how making a conscious effort to work on the skills in this area will actually benefit my firm. Because if if they don't see a benefit to it, they think we're, we're doing all right, we're fine, then, you know, then there's no reason to really make any changes or invest in, you know, people development on these skills. So that's kind of where I see the challenge. Some firms are really on the the cutting edge and and they recognize it and want to actually make improvements in that area. And some firms just, they recognize it, but they think they're at a good place. And um, for those firms, it's probably not the right time to um, do additional work in that area. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and for those firms who don't think it's the right time, I would say don't drag your feet because if, if you're always putting off that time, one day you're going to wake up and it might be too late because you might be gone. Yeah. Well, and it's a big thing in succession planning, too, because you have to consider who's, you know, who can you point to that's going to replace you? And if you have trouble pointing to somebody or you you kind of have a wavering finger pointing at somebody that you think so, but you're not quite sure, uh, what are you doing to get that person ready and give them the skills that you've learned along the way or even some of the skills you wish you had learned better earlier? Uh, what are you doing in that area to to, you know, support your future as a retired partner. Well, you said one very important word in this conversation. You said for them to invest. The more that firms, more that accounting professionals, more actually anybody can look at it as an investment into the firm, into the company versus it's a cost. Because mm-hmm. with the invest, you know, there's a return on that investment. And a lot of times with, with communication skills or these soft skills, they go, what's the return on the investment? And I go, what's the return if you didn't make the investment? <laughs> exactly. So yeah. it's, it's part of our job to continue to communicate that to accounting firms, to teams, to, to anybody we come in front of. Because it is going to be very important that we become better at building relationships. What I'd, I'd like to do is in front of audiences is, is to ask them what business are they in? And I'll hear accounting or tax or something along those lines. And I go, no, the business that you're in, you're in the people business first mm-hmm. and foremost. And you're in the business of developing relationships, relationships with your people that you hire and the relationships with your clients. And the better that you can build those relationships, the stronger and stronger your firm, your organization will be. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I was, in fact, I was just working with a firm. It was about a, a week or two ago, and uh, I had a group of. Eh, they were kind of a, a range from from senior associate up through manager, and and we opened with a discussion on that very topic and talking about what do you do and why do you, why do clients use your services and what is it that they're getting out of the work that you do and in the, the initial responses are always very compliance oriented. Well, they're getting right. a tax return. They want their taxes done. They they need this audit because somebody said they need that audit, and that is certainly. True. You know, generally they're not hiring a CPA firm just because they think it's really fun to bring someone in to look through their books for some period of time. But what we got around to with this group was that the reason that they stay and the reason that they um, continue to be clients, this was a discussion on the client experience and client loyalty, was relationships. And it was neat to see all of their eyes start to open up. And one guy's biggest takeaway was that, that he wrote down on the evaluation form was that 
I'm in the relationship business, not the tax compliance business. And he was a younger guy in the room, but I thought that was particularly impactful to have him realize, oh, I'm, done, no, I'm not just a tax accountant. I'm someone who has clients and works with them and you know provides a service that includes a relationship. And to see that firm will benefit from his new mindset in that way. I applaud you. I'm giving you a standing ovation right now. That was, that was, now I guess the challenge now for that, for that individual in the firm is how does he take that message to the uh, more seasoned leadership that have been in the firm for a number of years, the, the baby boomer leadership that's there and have them buy in on it? Yeah, well, that's, that's a good point. I think they, at least a good number of them were were bought in enough to to bring this program into their staff and have them get trained on it but but you're right there were many <laughs> there were a few moments in that workshop where i said something like you know your your partner specifically asked me to to mention this thing and they would all say well can you mention it to them too <laughs> <laughs> and it's really true cuz uh you know sometimes the leader, firm leadership can recognize, oh, our staff really need these skills. And a lot of times the disconnect is that while the partners have an amount of those skills that have been sufficient to get them to where they are today, which is generally you know, a pretty successful career, it's not always easy to pass them down. And there are different ways to do that. But you know, having making sure that you invest either in one-on-one training at your firm or group training or bringing someone in from the outside, but making sure that those skills get transferred are the key to building that successful firm with a bench that can then sit there when you want to retire. Exactly. And I think I think when it comes to technical skills, you can do internal training from your people. But I think when it comes to the soft skills, you need to bring somebody in from the outside. And someone like yourself or myself, because where it gives us instant credibility is the three letters behind our name. And we've been there, done that, and we speak their language, which helps in the buy-in. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that is true. And the other thing is that you know, people like you and me and other other consultants, you know, we do this for our full-time job now as opposed to um, technical side. So I think you're absolutely right. So let's talk about this communication and connection between team members at CPA firms. What struggles do you see? What what have you run into? What, what are the challenges out there? Yeah, one of the biggest challenges lies in having those, what a lot of people like to call difficult conversations. <laughs> um, and, and the topics are really wide ranging. Some topics are somewhat difficult and some are really big deals, you know, huge, difficult conversations. But um, a lot of people who come up in the accounting ranks generally would fall to the side of conflict avoider as opposed to conflict lover or embracer. <laughs> and when you've got that as your backdrop and, it, and it's it's common and somebody does something that makes you mad, you know, they miss a deadline, they, they consistently underperform, you've tried to give them the information they need to do their job and they're not doing it or, you know, any, or as a staff person, You'd like more experience, but the partner doesn't seem to be receptive to your requests. So that's a particular challenge that's hard with, with team members. And But the good news is there are great ways to see those as opportunities to connect. And there's, there's certain language that you can use to make those conversations happen and better. And the end result is that 
you'll have less of that, uh, I got to go to work again, or uh, I have to work with that person again, and more of the kind of, hey, it's a great day, I'm going to work again. And that really, you know, if there's a, a bottom line to it, I don't know anyone who doesn't want to feel better about their work at all ranks. I hear this just as much as the at the partner level, probably even more of wanting that work-life balance and wanting to enjoy coming into work every day. Um, and that's what good communication within a team can do for you. Can you give me an example of like a difficult conversation? You said there's some language there that will, will help in these situations. Yeah. So let's take a manager who has a staff person who just seems to not not be getting it or kind of always dropping the ball or underperforming. Um, and they've tried sort of different tactics to motivate them and it just doesn't seem to be working. And they want to sit down with that person and say, hey, you know, this is a big deal and you need to be doing things better or differently. So there's a framework that we can use. And and the first, and it's it's big and, <laughs> and it takes days and days and days and months and years to really be great at it. But um, But one of the keys is being able to separate your observations from your judgments. So being able to point to really specific sort of undisputable facts rather than making generalizations. So when you say something like, you always turn in your work late. That contains kind of a judgment in it, right? And it's that word always. And, and while mm-hmm. it may be the case that that person has never turned in something on time, probably they have once. <laughs> so you can get more specific and say, the last four times that I asked you to do X, Y, Z by Tuesday, you have turned it in on Wednesday. So what it eliminates is the um, that judgment feeling that comes through it. And, it, and everyone can sort of ag- agree, if, if those details are correct, that, yeah, that's true. And, and we're not passing the judgment. Then separately, and this is how this gets into a big, kind of a big, a big process, a big learning process, separately, we can bring in how the person, the manager in this case, is feeling about that, right? I feel frustrated because I need you to turn these things on in on time so I can meet my deadlines because one of the needs that I have in the workplace is to be on time with my work. So there's there's a whole framework that we can bring to this that makes the conversations not only easier, but more, they just feel better. And, and you're coming from a place of, of caring for both people and um, it just brings lots of whole lots of goodness to those types of conversations. That's some great advice because, as you said, CPAs tend to be conflict avoidant. And a lot of times how we'll get rid of that conflict is just avoid it and avoid having the conversation with the individual. And maybe if I don't address it and just avoid it, maybe the person will just leave. Right, right. And it doesn't actually, you know, how we resolve it is to avoid it. It doesn't really in the end up resolving it anyway. It still sits there and it lingers. And, and then you're, then you feel buried under layers and layers of conflicts you've avoided. And this doesn't mean you need to bring up every nitpicky detail. There's some <laughs> amount of, of letting things go. That's healthy also. Um, but you have to really come to terms with letting those things go and really let them go. And then it's fine. But yeah, it's a, it's good to get the air clear when it's, uh, when it matters. And sometimes the person might not be the right fit for the job or mm-hmm. might not be a right fit for the organization. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm a firm believer that we have good hires and we should have good departures because when the person leaves, if they've left, uh, if we've left on good terms and on uh, good standing, that's a potential referral service. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think sometimes we forget about that. That person might be able to help us 
down the road at some point in time. So we should have good good hires and we should have good fires, uh, let goes, whatever. And mm-hmm. as my father always told me, don't burn any bridges. Right. Right. Really very important. Good good advice from your dad there, Peter. <laughs> yes. He gave me a, one <laughs> when I first got my first <laughs> corporate job. This is the advice he gave me. He says, you get to work before your boss does. You leave after your boss leaves and you carry a file with you at all times, even, <laughs> even if you go into the restroom because you want you to look like you're busy. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And how, how did that first job go for you? Was it a... It, 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 went, it went real well. I mean, it, yeah. I carried files into the restroom with me and people yeah. thought I was crazy. I said, hey, I got to work, got to work. And, you know, but uh, yeah, but that was all about the, the baby boomers, the, che- right. the cheeks in the seats versus uh, productivity. Yeah. Yes, exactly. A <laughs> little, little bit of a shift these days, although there are certainly, I think, uh, you know, I, I wonder what the statistic is on the number of accountants who take their smartphone into the restroom with them. I uh, remember I used to, my boss, I would always see him walking down the hallway, just eyes on that phone, checking something out, and he'd walk straight into the bathroom with it every time, and it always gave me a bit of a chuckle. And I will admit I am guilty on that front, too. I'm going to say 110%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> take it. So, so what do you see out there? In the horizon, as you look into your crystal ball from Grand Rapids, my my crystal ball from Grand Rapids. We're a really forward thinking place out here, Grand Rapids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but but I do I I do spend time all around the the country working with with different firms. You know, I I see that firms are. Certainly, we used the word before, investing in these types of things with their people and the leadership development and recognizing um, the value that it adds. And I would say that the ones who are going to get the most out of it and the ones who are going to have the best outcomes in terms of, in terms of sustainability for their firm, if they would prefer to um, stay independent and not merge, because that's a big deal, are the ones that actually, the first part is leadership buy-in and interest in it. You know, if you've got one person who thinks something's a good idea, but everyone else says not worth it, then you're not going to have the competitive advantage that another firm will, who's got the vast majority of their leadership team on board and supporting initiatives. The firms that don't just bring something in as sort of a checkbox and say, well, remember we we did that one thing for one day once <laughs> and then um, expect it to infiltrate and become part of your culture. You really have to have um, someone inside your firm leading the charge on these things and um, defining what's important for the organization and the people at that organization. And that varies, uh, but figure out what's important and then having you know, the captain, the cheerleader, the task force, making sure that that the firm is over a period of time consistently bringing these, you know, values and skill sets that they esteem into their organization. That's great. I love that. I love that viewpoint. But as, as you were winding up, I, I, was, I started to think, what about the other side of the coin? What about the communication between CPAs and their clients? What, mm-hmm. is, what, what challenges are you seeing out there? Yeah, well, the first one is lack of communication. <laughs> um, <laughs> so many. So many firms and so many practitioners, you, you know, you, you speak during tax season or during the, the audit period, and then it's radio silent for the rest of the year. So even just having communication of any sort, I'm working with a, a small firm structured more or less like a sole practitioner, but there really are sort of two two seasoned leaders in that firm. And they're right now coming up with a plan for staying in touch with 
the clients that they serve throughout the year. And it doesn't mean bombarding them with an excessive amount, but I think that's hardly the risk at most firms. Um, But having touch points, you know, and figuring out when, when will I give them a call just to check in or when will I send them an article that I think is interesting or a reminder for a deadline and making sure that you've got those touches in the, so that's one thing. There's also a great opportunity there for uh, additional services, you know, and provide having getting bigger fees because you're providing more service to your clients, more planning, more advising type of work. And there's a huge opportunity for firms there in the client service area. But there's also um, an angle of just being able to communicate well with your clients as you do with your staff and uh, understanding their perspective and being able to um, bring to them the, the value that they need and the relationship that they are staying with your firm for. Exactly. And I'm going to give a shameless plug here, but I had an article <laughs> uh, published in accounting today. It says it's time to get from behind our desk. And basically mm-hmm. what it's saying is go out and learn about your client's business. Learn what they do, not just from a tax return perspective or financial statement perspective, learn all aspects of the business so you can be their trusted business advisor versus just perceived as the accountant. Yep. Yeah. And more, more on the shameless plug side, I have a list of um, questions that you can ask your clients. And and some of them are for more the kind of partner level, but some of them are even at the staff level. So if anybody, anybody listening to this would like a copy of that, just shoot me an email and I will get that out to you. So you you have a a framework for that conversation because that can, that can help. Why don't you give me your email real quick and I'll also put it in the show notes and in the transcript. Sure. It's um, Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N at KristenRampe.com. And the last name is spelled R-A-M-P-E. Dot com. Perfect. Dot com. Yep. So hopefully your your inbox will be flooded with requests for this information. <laughs> as well as, I, I will give you a, a, not even a shameless plug. This is just a plug. I love your book, Accounting Dreams and Delusions. Thank you. Yes, I had a, a hoot of a time creating it. So it's, uh, it's definitely something that I also appreciate. Yes. Accounting dreams and delusions scenes from a professional paradise and what really happens in the accounting industry. And one of the first things in, in your book are called CPA dreams. So there I was, and you'll never believe what my client said. <laughs> and the first one, wow, great rates. Who knew accounting fees could be so reasonable? That's right. That's right. Yeah, the whole book is filled with, uh, I would sort of count, call them accounting memes of of things you, you wish your client would say to you, but probably never would. But there's also a chapter of things that clients wish their CPAs would say to them, uh, but probably never will. And and the whole point, I mean, that's really right on the, the client service provider relationship. That's the, the purpose of this book. And what it goes into is just you know, what, why do we have these funny interplays in that, you know, that are highlighted in the book and, um, and, and what can we learn from that too? So I think it's, uh, if you know somebody who needs a, a gift for their birthday and they work in the accounting worlds, this would be, would be a great gift. I, it would be, I, I've, I've given a couple of them out and I'm looking at one of the, uh, quotes that you've got in here under part two client delusions. And then my CPA said to me, I chose a career in accounting because I love working with people. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Right? Said, yeah. said not most CPAs out at their clients ever. <laughs> or I made sure the staff on your engagement are the same as last year, so we won't ask any repetitive questions. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's right. All these things. And so you can get to peek inside the mind of your client. Uh, that's what part two of the, the book is about for those who are wondering, what is my client really thinking? Oh, I, I read this and, and, and I, I, I laughed out loud really, really hard because it hit way too close to home. And it was very, very funny. And and thank you for, for putting this book out there. Uh, I, I think every CPA should have a copy of it. Absolutely. I would, I would agree. I think it deserves a, a place in every office and um, many of the desks. Or, send, or have them send it to your clients as well, because it, remember, yeah. it, is, it is a two-way street out there. Yep, it is. Absolutely. So as we're wrapping things up, I'm, I'm starting something new and it's a rapid fire session. Uh, I'm, okay. a, I'm a big fan of David Faraday watching this morning on the Golf Channel some old uh, episodes and he has this rapid fire session. And I thought, wow, this would be cool. And who better to try it out on than you? That's right. I'm, okay. And I'm ready. And I, uh, I've prepped for this, you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've prepped for this. Okay, so there's 10 questions. Okay. All right. First one, Kevin Hart or Robin Williams? Oh, my gosh. If I don't know who Kevin Hart is, I guess I'll pick Robin Williams. Should I know who Kevin Hart is? Uh, who is he? <laughs> Kevin's playing in an, he's a, he's a stand-up comic. Uh, oh. He, he's played yeah, a number, okay. number of movies recently. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll just, I'll stick with Robin Williams. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin? No, I like him too, though. I think I know who he is now that you, you describe it a little more, but yeah. Kevin Spacey or Mark Harbin? Oh, Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Who's your favorite musician? Oh, my favorite musician. Gosh. And it has to be just a single person, not like a group. Oh, it could be a group. It could be a group. That assumes I have a favorite group. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. This is so hard for me. This is certainly not the rapid fire you were hoping for. Um, I'm going to just pull one out of of my, you know, like high school past and let's go with, with you two and Bono because... Oh. Good. Can't go wrong with you two. Yeah. All right. Here's a softball. What's your favorite adult beverage? Ooh, my favorite adult beverage. We're going to have to go with uh, gin and tonic. Gin and tonic. All right. Microsoft Excel or your fingers? Ooh, Excel. <laughs> Excel. <laughs> What's your favorite song? Oh, my favorite song? It probably depends on the day, too. Um <laughs> There's a you know, out right now that I have somewhere on my playlist is um, Ain't It Fun by, I think it's Paramore is the group. I yeah. like that one. Catchy. Catchy, fun stuff. Uh, is, is there a, a go-to song that you have that when you need to get pumped up or something that you automatically listen to that? Yeah, that might be, that might be one and the same, that same one I just mentioned because I've got that on fast, fast repeat when I'm ready to get <laughs> energized. Uh, okay, next question. Debit or credit? Credit. What's your favorite movie? Oh, we'll go old school again too. Shawshank Redemption. Ah, love Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Great movie. Uh, as it relates to toilet paper rolls, over mm. or under? Over. Over, okay. And who's your celebrity crush? Oh, gosh. Oh, you know that guy? I think I just heard that he just turned 30 from... Uh, what the heck is the Robert Pattinson from what's the teen crush movie? Vampires, um, Twilight. That guy. That's oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. He's younger than me, but uh, that's all right, right? That's a, uh, you're the cougar, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not cougar yet. I am not in that territory. Uh, I'm not far from that age. But, yeah. In between. 
between him and Cougar. And Cougar. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, 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 thank you for the rap. Although I did just get called, Mark Quazil from the AICPA referred to me as an old maid the other day. So I want to put that out there. But I don't really think I'm an old maid either, but it was it was interesting to get the get the label old. just early in my career. Yeah. Old maid. Wow. Old maid. Well, it was seasoned consultant was, I think, what it really meant, but it came out as old maid. So, oh, wow. you know. I roll with it. Uh, yeah, I, just, I would. <laughs> I'm not sure how to take that one, old mate. I, I, <laughs> I, I would. I would not put you in that sphere yet. Maybe people around my age uh, might be almost old maid. I think that's called retired partner. So, well, we'll just keep moving away from that. <laughs> Any last parting wisdom that you can give to my audience? Oh boy, you know. I would say my parting wisdom, things that that make firms and CPAs successful is just keeping an eye on that, you know, that be the change that you want to be. And if you, you see something that's not working, take the time to make the change. And it might not be today. Today maybe isn't the right day, but but um, don't let yourself, you know, sit in a situation that's not working for you. Um, pick, pick up what you need to do and, and go make that change. What great wisdom to pass on to the audience. Kristen, thank you so very much again for taking time to have this conversation. I look forward to our next conversation, hopefully in the very near future. Thank you again. Sounds great. Thanks, Peter. Now, that was a very fun interview with Kristen, and she's got some great examples on why we all need to strengthen our communication skills, a.k.a. soft skills. You know we call them soft skills, but they're very hard to master. I loved all the advice she gave us in this interview, and I especially thought her advice on how to facilitate a difficult conversation was spot on. She laid out a great blueprint about separating our observations, facts, from our judgments in these type of conversations. Because judgments tend to evoke emotions, and when emotions are involved, they can completely derail the conversation. Now, this does tie back to the article that I was discussing in the opening. Just as Sergeant Joe Friday would say, just the facts. Just the facts, ma'am. Now, if you're sitting there scratching your head right now and trying to figure out who Sergeant Joe Friday is, then give it a little Google to learn a little bit more. Although Krista never specifically referenced the principles of improvisation, you could hear them throughout our conversation. Without both parties exercising active listening and focus, a solution will not be easily found. Improvisation is a wonderful communication tool that can lead to positive results. If you'd like to contact Kristen, email her at kristen at kristenrampe.com and the last name is R-A-M-P-E or go to her website, kristenrampe.com and if you'd like to buy her book, Accounting Dreams and Delusions, you can buy it on her website, Thank you again for taking time to listen to this podcast. In episode 17, I interviewed Dan Swarthout, who is first and foremost a headlining comedian and who is also an attorney and a councilman for the city of Powell, Ohio. Until next time, use the principles of improvisation to have more powerful conversations.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.